Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 4, Project Lawful and Their Oblivious Boyfriend. Episode 90. No Doth Ilani out of living memory would have seen the phenomenon that is occurring inside Asmodia now. No. Not even the oldest rememberers staying alive half from machine assistance and half from willpower. It has been longer than that since civilization trialed. What happens if you take an adult as generally talented, reflective, and mathematically intelligent as Asmodia is now, and expose them for the first time in their lives to the idea of probability theory? Only those sleeping in the cold would have witnessed it. Perhaps not even they. 1. Your strength in the way is your ability to be more confused by fiction than by reality. If you're equally good at explaining any outcome you can see, that's the same as not knowing anything. 2. Surprising claims require surprising evidence. Unsurprising evidence suffices for unsurprising claims. 3. No empirical theory can prove itself except by risking its disproof. 4. To convince me of your theory, make a correct prediction that no other theory makes. 5. A precise true prediction is much more convincing than an imprecise true one. 6. It is impossible to coherently expect to convince yourself of anything. 7. You can't expect anyone else to convince you of something either, even if you think they're controlling everything you see. Asmodia has decided to wager on the prospect of solving all Keltham's seven problems within an hour, and then turning her attention to games of deception for the remaining 45 minutes. Because his hash seven is the key. It has to be. It might not have been a decision she'd have made before for any wisdom, but the added splendor is helping, even that is helping. For some element of that is lending Asmodia a driving will and force that she had only known before in the grips of exaltation. Keltham thinks this problem set is possible to at least one of his students, and maybe he would have been wrong about that. But if Keltham can imagine that being possible, then this Asmodia could should will get it done within a single hour. She hit his hash one and bounced. It is too poetic, she does not know what it means. So back off and try hash two, that's just too obvious. It says that the thing that is a likelihood ratio has to be extreme to overcome an extreme thing. That is the prior odds. Is there something she's missing? Just assume not for now and continue. She tries hash three. It doesn't solve immediately. There's no obvious thing, it means. So try hash four and see if solving all the fast problems helps. And hash four isn't instantly obvious, but Asmodia can feel in her mind the hint of a shape where it might be pointing, so she starts scribbling down numbers. Cheliax has fewer proverbs about mathematics than does Dath Elan. It lacks in particular a proverb to the effect that quite often in mathematics, and with only rare exceptions, knowing what you need to prove is nine-tenths of the real work. The lost people out of civilization's lost beginnings. Who first invented these ideas took longer to get there, from the bones of probability theory but they did not have informal statements of where they should be going. And also they were not quite as smart as Asmodia is now, along some dimensions of Thinkumpf, if not others. So it doesn't take Asmodia much scribbling at all to see that if conspiracy and ordinary make the same predictions at the same strength, then neither world can win out over the other one. To see the abstract point that if pying evidence, hypothesis one, Equal sign, pay, evidence, hypothesis, two. Then their ratio is one. One and the posterior odds are the same as the prior odds. While if pay, evidence, hypothesis, two, is zero or just very tiny. Then as soon as you see the evidence, you are convinced of hypothesis one. No, rather. You're convinced that hypothesis two is false. There could be other hypotheses, even if Keltham only hinted at that. It's clear how to adapt the math, and she's doing it. She has enough of this law to invent the rest. Onward. Asmodia goes to hash five, and though she has no integral calculus with which to think in densities, 
She imagines each of a thousand possible numbers between zero and ten, down to a hundredth of fineness, and soon she has understood hash five, or she thinks she's understood. No, she has, that's just the obvious thing. It means mathematically, when you call it down to a hundredth part, your prediction is ten times as strong there, as if someone else called it down to a tenth. She is doing it. She is inventing, completing, seeing the law of probability, parsing the world with Keltham's own sight, and the feeling that goes through her is glory. She's probably not supposed to say anything and interrupt this? Just stick around and be a sounding board if necessary? Most of what Asmodia's scribbling makes no sense, at least not to Ione, but Asmodia sure looks like she's having fun. Ione wants that headband. It looks ordinary, but she's guessing it's not. Carissa spends a few minutes meditating on the virtue of evil. This seems like a straightforward place for it. Good would hesitate to fire the students who are slowing the project down because it makes people sad and good is in significant part built off the instinctive human flinch at achieving your goals in ways that make other people sad. Evil can do the thing that accomplishes the goal, not enslaved by guilt. If she were condemning these girls to hell, she would be doing that because it advanced her goals, and she would have the strength to do things that advance her goals. As it happens, she's doing an easier thing. She asks to have them brought to her one by one. She'll have more control over the conversation that way. Paxti comes in looking, to chelish eyes, visibly more cheerful than she might have looked on day one. She's on the low punishment regimen. Her soul is worth some unreasonably vast quantity in disses markets. Somebody in Agorian is building a reputation for her as Project Lawful's deadliest weapon. And she didn't win the last Keltham seduction contest, but she's bound to win one eventually. The Grand High Priestess would lead with, You're fired, and let Paxti simmer for a bit. But Carissa doesn't actually understand why, understand along what dimension that makes Paxti stronger. Well, the only way to learn is to try it and see what happens. We told Keltham the girls were initially here on one-week contracts. So tonight, he decided whose contract he wants to renew as a researcher. He didn't pick you because you're not really keeping up in math. What happens to me now? Poxty says. She's not already dead, so it's not that. Unless for some reason you're supposed to talk with the project leader before she kills you. She's mostly trying to hold back all her emotions. She might need her wits for something. Keltham, of course, wants all the girls who have worked with him to be better off for it. He proposes that you be given a bunch of options, including reassignment to some other project, hanging out in hell for a couple years until you don't know anything secret, or staying here in a different wing of the fortress and getting lessons in some kind of advanced magic you wouldn't have had access to at your age otherwise. I was thinking maybe ring forging, because then I can drop in in my abundant free time and pick it up myself. Keltham plans to tell you tomorrow about his decision and your options, and I recommend that after thinking it over, you pick the option where you stay here, though of course you may go to hell if you'd rather. Ask Asmodiah what it was like. For Project Lawful Girls, it's quite different, I think. I'll stay here and learn ring forging, Paxty says almost immediately. She's not stupid enough to pick a choice other than the recommended one. She doesn't dare ask explicitly if she still gets to stay on a low-punishment regimen. But she's certain that's not on offer for projects elsewhere or, for that matter, in hell. Good. I want you to think very hard about Alter Paxty and what she'd believe about Hell and about her options and how she'd react to getting this surprising news from Keltham tomorrow, and if you do a good job, you're already cleared to know about Project Lawful and there may be opportunities in it for you in the future. I will obey. She wants so much to ask if she's still on the low punishment regimen, but she has zero negotiating leverage for that, and if she asks under that condition... There's absolutely no reason Sever wouldn't just say no. Well, that went fine. Not fun, exactly, but fine. Dismissed. Paxti goes off to her room to think about what Alter Paxti would think. It's too hard, and she asks if Asmodia is available to tell her. 
but Asmodia isn't available and won't be for a while. She taps herself with a fox's cunning, and the main thought that comes to her on cunning is that Owl's wisdom might let her get this right and not die. But when she leaves her room to ask, security either doesn't have a wisdom available or doesn't think she's a priority anymore. She goes back into her room and wonders if Alter Paxti would cry right there when Keltham tells her, if people in Alter Cheliacs are more pathetic than those in true Cheliacs, someone else will have to instruct her about that. It's not a decision she'd be authorized to make even if she was still a full member of Project Lawful. She files a request with security for an Asmodia Alter Cheliacs consult as soon as Asmodia is available. She files a request with security to still be part of the knapstack so she has longer to think tonight. She goes to look at Keltham's seven problems, which, if she was smarter, she should have done before the cunning wore off. If she could solve them all, if she could solve any of them, maybe Keltham would want her to stay on. After a while, she thinks she understands hash too. That's enough, right? She's pretty sure it's not. It's the simple one that Keltham included so even the dumber students wouldn't feel disappointed about getting zero right. Because that's how Keltham thinks. Paxty wonders if Keltham would have kept her if she'd been more proactive about having sex with him. Probably yes. It's not that he's firing her for reluctance, it's that if she had slept with him faster, he'd feel too guilty now to do this to her her own stupidity for thinking she was safe to take her time. Sevar was smart. Asmodia was smart. Meritzel was smart. Ioni was smart. Paxti should have paid more attention to what the smarter people around her were doing. I'm keeping up, Pella says. I'm just quiet. You're mostly keeping up. You wouldn't fail a class if this were a class, but you'd be the slowest one remaining if you stayed and Keltham doesn't think that's worth it, though you may argue with him tomorrow if and only if you are quite confident that Alter Pela would argue with him. Run your reasoning by me. He's going to get tired of you too, you know. Carissa's unseen servant slaps her. That was stupid and petty and unprofessional, and you know it. You can still try to make your case to Keltham in the morning if I am persuaded you'd make it in Alter Cheliacs. My fate is no one's concern but mine, and yours no one's concern but you. Oh, Yaisa says. You thought he liked you. She doesn't answer. He does, and you have permission to keep trying to seduce him. You might have a better angle on it, actually, since he doesn't have to work with you afterwards. What do you mean, Jack Me says slowly, that we might prefer hell? It means that Carissa really wants to eavesdrop on Asmodia advising other project girls about hell. It's information she desperately needs for her plan to make them resilient to mental breakdowns about it. She's convinced at this point that hell did something. She's not allowed to know what, but maybe she's allowed to know the implications of whatever hell did for whether project lawful girls ought to fear it. Well, she says blandly, we all desire hell so that Asmodeus may have freer reign to improve and reform us. Asmodeus seems improved, doesn't she? Uh-huh. Pilar already used her once-per-week knapstack opportunity, so she requested to be hit by a sleep spell now so that she could still accumulate enough sleep to hang spells tomorrow, even if she needs to be awake for the midnight general briefing. Paxty needs cake. So do three other people, but Paxi is the one that Pilar cares about. And her curse woke her up from sleep to go deliver some? No, it's not something her curse is demanding. Pilar's curse isn't that hungry. It's just something that Pilar can do if she wants. She notices the feeling of wanting to help Paxi and Pilar is not stupid. She knows how she's disappointing Asmodeus, and Savar said it's not okay even if she punishes herself afterwards. Will it help Lord Asmodeus if Pilar goes to deliver cake? No, it will only help Pilar. Chaotic Good would usually try to help someone like Pilar who is being used by them. Then her curse can fuck off and not bother her, unless there's something that helps Lord Asmodeus. Pilar's curse will keep that predictable instruction in mind, in the past as in the future. What's that supposed to mean? Pilar can fall back asleep now. She does. She wasn't that awake anyways. So what I think Hash 6 has to be pointing at is, okay, 
I'm going to just say this and hope your mind doesn't collapse because you're one of the special girls. It's pointing at how Asmodeans sort of go around trying to convince themselves really hard that sure, they want to go to hell, and actually they don't. And this is not a way a Dathilani would ever think. Ever. Hash 6 is going to be the fragment of law that prohibits that. It's going to mean a lot more than that, unless we've already lost our game to Keltham completely. And if he was planning to convince everyone around him to turn traitor, if he was directly playing against the real Cheliacs, then he wouldn't give us advance warning. He'd just hit everyone in the class with the full lecture. How does the law of probability tell people not to do what you just said? It doesn't seem connected to any of the quantities we've been using before now. If you understand the meaning of the words, tell me about the math, connect it to anything, and I'll be able to unravel everything else from there, and maybe in less than a minute. Apparently, Asmodeans are lying to themselves about wanting to go to hell is just a fine thing to say to Asmodea, and she doesn't argue with it. Ione really wishes she knew what was going on here. I think problems hash 6 and hash 7 are meant to be harder than the first five, probably require the first five to get. I only got hash 2 on my own, and I've been too distracted by watching you figure out the others. I'm guessing you don't want me to take the time to figure them out on my own. Hash 1 is about how there's all the different things a hypothesis could predict, and all the probabilities it puts on them have to sum to 1. If there's like 5 different things that could happen... You can't say 40% for each, even if you come up with a really clever explanation for each of them. If all the explanations sound equally clever, they get the same probability, which is 20% each. And that's just the same as going, I don't know, about each of them. Hash 2 you got, it sounds like. It just says that if something is half as likely as something else, you need evidence twice as likely as if not to start believing it. And if it's a thousandth, the evidence has to be a thousand times as likely. Write it down so I can think about it. Include the formulas so my brain can connect this to the math. That's going to take me five fucking minutes. I've only got 20 left on the hour. I'm not going to be able to tell you how hash six is about the probability of anything conditional on anything until you spend those five minutes. Maybe you want to go it alone. Hash six is about... The probability of something, conditional on your trying to convince yourself of it. It has to be zero. I'm trying to convince myself that I lack a million gold pieces. Oh, look, now I have a million. Yes, I know, it's stupid. I just thought if I said it, maybe you'd correct me and your correction would actually be helpful. Gonna have to be less stupid first. If you see yourself trying to convince yourself of something, it can't be evidence. Because you'd see that with the same probability in the ordinary world the conspiracy world, any world you're inside. You can still try to convince yourself of things. So just wanting to convince yourself of something isn't evidence by itself. Sure. Good job not getting smitten by Asmodeus there, and aren't we all glad security isn't torturing us for saying it? What if you come up with, like, actual arguments? You can come up with arguments in any world, so coming up with arguments for anything isn't evidence for it. I want to believe you about that. But, unfortunately, it sounds like neither my wanting to believe you, nor the fact that you came up with any arguments for it, should ever convince me of anything. By the way, can I have all your money? And before you try to convince yourself otherwise, keep in mind that you should never be able to convince yourself of anything. No. You can never expect to convince yourself of anything. You can convince yourself of something you just can't expect to. The word expect has to be the key, because if we take it out, the claim is wrong. Well, in the context of the law of probability, expect should mean predict, right? You can't predict yourself convincing yourself of something. So you can't predict seeing evidence that, where after you see it, you believe, good work, Ione, shut up, Ione, I think that's enough, and I can take it from there. Asmodia is now completely ignoring Ione and scribbling something about P, Observation 1, Hypothesis 1, and P, Hypothesis 1, Observation 1, and P, Observation 1, and P, Hypothesis 1, and P, Tilde Observation 1, and what appears, roughly, to be every possible combination of the symbols in Keltham's language, which, once exhausted, 
she starts multiplying and adding together in quantities like P. Hypothesis 1. Observation 1. Asterisk. P. Observation 1. Plus P. Hypothesis 1. Tilde observation 1. Asterisk P. Tilde observation 1. And now she's expanding the definitions and trying to prove things. Right. Ione will just try to work out some of the other problems on her own then. It does, in fact, take her only a minute. P. Hypothesis 1. Observation 1. Asterisk P. Observation 1. Plus P. Hypothesis 1. Tilde observation 1. Asterisk P. Tilde observation 1. Equal sign P. Hypothesis 1. If you add up how much you'd believe in something, given a piece of evidence, times your chance of seeing that evidence, with how much you'd believe something, if you saw not that evidence, times the chance of seeing not that evidence, it's just the same probability you started with. You can end up convinced of things, you just can't expect to be convinced of them. Anytime you go look for something, that you're hoping will convince you of something, there's a counterbalancing chance you won't find it, and then the math requires you to end up believing less. On net, it all balances out. I've got hash 6. No time to explain it, though. Tell me about hash 7. Not in math. I have the math now. Just what it does it mean. I want that headband. Even I won't have it for very much longer at all, so shut up and talk. It couldn't literally be the crown of infernal majesty, could it? That's just flatly impossible, even on Project Lawful. Well, if we're going full out on heresy, and hoping that, for some reason, you and not just I survive that experience, then, the same way Hash 6 is about how you shouldn't be able to convince yourself of things, Hash 7 is about how you shouldn't believe the church when they try to convince you about it. We've already been through this. You can end up convinced of things you just can't expect to be convinced of them. Why can't you expect the church to convince you of anything? They're allowed to know all sorts of things you don't. They could have all sorts of properly convincing evidence you haven't seen. Most Asmodeans would have told her to pick a different example. Because they could be lying. And let's be frank here, they are. That's not the Dath Ilani answer, I'm sure of it. It's not what Keltham would say. What if they swear to everything in Asmodeus's name? What if they're under truth spell and you're powerful enough to make it stick? If this is math that holds across all the imaginable realities, then whatever hash seven means will still be true even then. If they're under truth spell and can evade it, they'll still tell you only the things that help their case and hide everything that doesn't. And if you just took that at face value, you'd always end up convinced every time by whatever church you talk to. And I bet Dothalani don't work like that. Good work, Ioni. Now shut up again. She almost has it. She can feel it. She's almost there. The key to the game between Dath Ilani. If the conspiracy is choosing what to show you, if you know that, if you expect that, it changes. Something. Somehow. It has to still obey the law that you can't expect to end up convinced of what the conspiracy shows you. They can only win if they take you unawares. But if you correctly guess what the conspiracy is doing, how they're thinking, you win because then the world you see is what you expect if there's a conspiracy. No matter how much they try to show you things from an ordinary world, you could keep on seeing evidence that favored ordinary and go on shifting towards ordinary and then look back at all the shifts, too many shifts, and realize something was wrong. No, that's not right. That doesn't feel like the way the math has to work. Look back on the math and realize something's wrong. Isn't something she can prove with numbers, and everything else on Keltham's list is, there are three minutes left on her allocated hour when Asmodia looks up from the example she was building for herself, about somebody who wants to convince you who murdered somebody else, and the clues are all ways that a coin spin can land, and they're only telling you about the coin spins that landed queen, and none of the ones that landed text. She feels exultant and strangely calm at the same time. She was right. Hash 7 is the key. Not just a key, the key. Maybe there are much more complicated things that true Dathelani know about this game. But Asmodia has the key to the basic rules. It's very simple, in the end. The Probability of the Coin Landing 
queen on the third coin spin isn't the same as the probability of somebody telling you about how the third coin spin landed queen. Maybe in the end, it's just common sense about how lying works if you're not being blatant about it. Except that now, Asmodia knows how to mate that common sense with the Dath Ilani numbers that they use to track the subtle shifts of probability. Keltham isn't just thinking about what the conspiracy is showing him, telling him. He's thinking about the probability that the world he's inside decides to show him and tell him those things. If Keltham can figure out which facts the conspiracy would choose to reveal to him, and he predicts that accurately, he'll learn he's inside the conspiracy world. You can't expect to be convinced of things by a conspiracy that you know is a conspiracy. Not unless they pass some test that the true conspiracy shouldn't be able to pass. Like, you can believe someone about who the murderer is, if they show you all the coin spins, or even if they show you enough coin spins that the hidden ones couldn't matter even if they were all text. If the Dath Ilani correctly imagines the conspiracy, if they figure out the rules the conspiracy is actually following, they win. Unless the conspiracy following those rules is truly indistinguishable to them from the ordinary world, and then it's a tie. And that's a contest Cheliacs has already lost, because they've already screwed up Alter Cheliacs a few times, and Keltham may remember those. If Asmodia can figure out what Keltham is thinking and not show him a conspiracy that picks which coin flips it shows in a way that Keltham can figure out, if the true conspiracy is still using rules Keltham hasn't figured out, then she can convince Keltham of the ordinary world, make him shift his probabilities in that direction. Which she has now proven, can only happen if Keltham wouldn't predict that, even thinking himself to be in the conspiracy world the way that he currently suspects the conspiracy to work. It's inherently a losing game. The more she shows Keltham, day after day, the more Keltham knows how the conspiracy must be thinking, if there is, in fact, a conspiracy. Everything she commands will carry the signature of the way Asmodia thinks, because she can't actually contain the whole alter Cheliacs within herself and truthfully. And if Keltham ever imagines Asmodia fully, if he sees enough the true shape of the shadowy hypothetical being playing against him, he wins. But she can try to lose very slowly. Maybe, even, slowly enough. That is the game between Dath Ilani. And if Asmodia isn't one herself, well, she is no longer entirely not one either. I'm done. Asmodia says to Ioni. You can go now. Unless you want to hang around for 45 minutes in case I want somebody to bounce ideas off for the game against Keltham. There's a strange feeling of emptiness to go with the exultation. Everything else she can do in the next 45 minutes, working out more details of the game to play against Keltham, none of that is going to be as exciting as this. Maybe the Grand High Priestess's puzzle will be more exciting. The thought brings with it a chill of fear. No, she was told she wouldn't be hurt as long as she wasn't incredibly stupid. Being lent the crown of the Most High isn't something that happens to you when your life is ending. Will the Most High understand how much she's achieved? No, she was told that Sevar would judge it. And Sevar, Asmodia thinks, Sevar will understand. I wouldn't mind sticking around for 45 minutes, just to see, in my capacity as touched of Nethys, whether you explode. It's hard to shift gears, from the math where things get solved and stay solved, to the real world where she has to play a slowly losing game against Keltham, full of particulars. So what's the most important thing we've got to make Keltham think next, according to Ione? Feel free to deliver a prophecy about it, if that helps. I mean, I would have answered that differently before, but right now, after watching you, I'd say the most important thing we want to convince Keltham about is that, for some reason, and I don't envy you your new job making this sound convincing and just as probable, in ordinary as in conspiracy, in Alter Cheliacs, it's an incredibly bad idea for Keltham to ask us for a fox's cunning, even though everybody around him is getting them all the time, and they look really helpful and fun. All the exultation is quenched in an instant by icy water in her veins. She doesn't get to keep the crown of the Most High. And even if she did, if fox's cunning plus owl's wisdom does to Keltham, anything like what it does to her, 
they could lose at any time, any instant. They can't have a plausible story ready to give Keltham when he asks for a fox's cunning, because Keltham is always walking around carrying the conspiracy inside his head, and a plausible story is going to sound exactly like what the conspiracy wants him to believe. They need to show him something that convinces him he doesn't want a fox's cunning, beforehand, and he will know that it's something that the conspiracy would want him to believe. But they have one advantage. They have an advantage if Keltham is giving them an accurate picture of how he's thought so far. Keltham might credit, maybe, that in the conspiracy world, Cheliax would never be crazy enough to tell him that Fox's cunning or intelligence headbands even existed. Which, to be clear, they absolutely should not have. Though, if they lean on that here. Keltham then learns a further true fact about the conspiracy, in the world where the conspiracy is real. He learns that they are learning as they go, that they were stupid enough at the start to tell him about Fox's cunning, but then changed their minds later. In the world where the conspiracy existed, that will obviously be what happened inside the conspiracy, even if it seems improbable and shifts belief in the conspiracy downward for that moment. He'll think the conspiracy is less probable, for the moment. But inside that hypothesis, knowing that takes him closer to the real Cheliax, closer to the truth about Asmodia playing the game against him. It's still a forced move in the game. If Keltham gets a simultaneous fox's cunning and owl's wisdom, Cheliax loses. It's probably that simple. Why hasn't he asked for that already? Yeah, Asmodia says out loud. Stick around, Ione. Security, I need Savar in this room. Or if she can't be here, then I need messages passed fast enough for two-way conversation. After Carissa showed me the contract, Meritzel says, I asked her what to expect and she said that would be spoilers. She would not have said that a week ago. You are a sadism influence. Would you have wanted Carissa to tell you in advance about my amazing shirt? Clearly not. Then obviously she shouldn't have told you anything else either. Even a Dathilani child could prove that conclusion from that premise. I didn't say you were a bad influence, just a sadistic one. And an evil one. Who would imagine we of the evilest country in the world would have so much evil to learn from Dathilan? Keltham has been, among other things, repeatedly comparing Meritzel to his shirt, claiming that his shirt is much better than her, noting that it has zippers, asking if she has zippers, and examining her unclothed form, and trying to further unzip her in various ways, most of which have not been working. Well, since you said you weren't much into physical pain, I thought I'd try inflicting non-physical pain and see how that worked for both of us. Meritzel is incredibly confused. There's no correspondence whatsoever between enjoying whipping people and enjoying banter. They're just completely different categories. She has absolutely no idea if she'd be this confused in Alter Cheliax, or if she'd be able to hide in Alter Cheliax. Stupid Alter Cheliax is really ruining her sex life at this point. Well, I liked it. Some version of merit cell generated by some process or other inside the real merit cell says aloud, and giggles. Well, I expect, though not with certainty, that this never allows me to fall in love with you. But I suppose it permits you to be an acceptable shirt to wear sometimes. I don't actually get why you won't hurt me, if you want to. And I want you to. If that's how you fall in love with people. It's the response to the pain that matters to my gender trope, I think not just inflicting the pain itself. Limiting case. Imagine trying to do that to the body of somebody who's currently in hell and before they get raised. This tells you that any internal response is necessary, not just going through the outward motions. Turns out the particular response also matters. Unfortunate, she says, and doesn't just mean for her. I actually think the thing to do is to agree to cast cunning on him if he asks, but actually cast something else, if we can possibly get away with that. An excuse will seem too implausible. Is there some spell that'd have some mental effect, but not the precise one? Oh, I will have to ask Maliol if that's even allowed. Why doesn't the spell do for him what it does for everyone else? Do we think Keltham doesn't think, never thinks until the game has already ended? of the possibility that the unknown masters of the conspiracy sat around and figured out a different spell to cast on him instead? And security, I request a response from Maliol now. We don't have much time. It's 
hard to say. It depends on what the spell does exactly, Mylal thinks. It may be permitted to fool Keltum, but not change him, maybe. He doesn't know why casting regular fox's cunning isn't already forbidden. Maybe because it's transmutation, not enchantment. It works by a pathway where it doesn't decide what Keltham is thinking. There are things they're allowed to do more if the spell isn't targeting Keltham directly. That's why he was able to approve the spell that targets text and makes it uninteresting, because the spell is about the text and not about Keltham, because it obscures something from his perception rather than forcing his thoughts about it. It's like invisibility in a way. If we just figured out one that does one point of int instead of four, then it does the expected thing but doesn't help him all that much and he doesn't really know how much it's helping us. So how many hours does that take to research? Also, what if he asks to try on your headband? Pointing out to other people how they're still doomed to explode wouldn't feel like so much fun if it was heretical, right? Surely she should have better instincts than that. If she's meant to belong to Nethys, she really needs the allowed belief list for her new people. Wizards never share their headbands because it feels slightly like dying, taking them off, and you lose the benefits to spell preparation for the next 24 hours. I'll do it if he really wants, but, uh, expressive sad face. Checking. Have you ever taken off your headband in front of Keltham? Asmodia has seen Sever do this, though not in front of Keltham. No, I genuinely do hate taking it off, and I'm using the extra spell slots. So everybody gets told never to tell any stories about people borrowing other people's headbands. We should have told him they needed to be customized. Too late now. When everybody gets headbands for the first time, are we managing to give him one of only plus one slash two int? Or does he get told his headband is plus four even if it's plus one? But then what if he asks to try on somebody else's headband so he can see the difference between that and plus two? Has Keltham seen anything that would contradict the idea that headbands get traces of their wearers? Nobody would want to wear somebody else's headband. Headshake. I took one off a dead security during the Nadal attack, traded mine. I might have done that even if headbands get traces of their wearers, since we thought Nadal had tracked us through it, but I would have commented and certainly not traded the security the one I'd been wearing. If Keltham happens not to think of suggesting the swap the first day, and everybody else, if they say they don't want to lose their spells after that, by taking off the headband momentarily, he'll think it's just a silly theory, hopefully, and not worth upsetting people to run the test. Never decides that testing it is as urgent as it was for you to swap your headband after the Nadal attack. See... One thing the true Dothilan has in common with Nathesianism, I suspect, is that they get really creative about blowing things up. That thing Keltham said about Dothilani kids wanting to blow up their schools, these are not Asmodean kids we're talking about. So Keltham says, Oh, how about if you get a fox's cunning cast on you, Carissa, so I can try on your headband? You won't lose your spells that way. That doesn't work, as Ioni knows perfectly well. So we need him to run across the information that that doesn't work before he thinks to ask, because it's suspicious if we try to convince him at the time, even though it in fact doesn't work. Maybe I can be seen wearing it in the bath, and he'll ask. We don't just need him to believe that you can't take it off. We need him to believe that you can't take it off even with a fox's cunning. Also, him asking you to do something that feels like dying is one thing. Him asking you to lose a couple of spell slots is another. And if his headband is really plus one instead of plus four, does he notice that he doesn't get as many extra spell slots as he should? We have to tell him that you only gain as many spell slots from your plus four headband as he gets from his actually plus one headband. Or, for that matter, does he notice that taking off a just plus one headband does not feel very much to him like dying? Do we have some kind of way to make him less intelligent, such that the plus four only gets him back to normal? Insomnia, he's tired when he's awake, must be those terrible pre-civilization beds. Mail y'all, checking for permissibility. He is definitely not sure that is allowed, and pushing on the edges of Asmodeus's instructions like that makes Aspexia Rugaton sad. 
Yep, no pushing the edges of Asmodeus's orders. They could just make him sleep poorly in some wholly non-magical way. It's definitely okay if they're only doing that for a few nights. If they're doing it all the time. Does that end up damaging people? Maya Yal doesn't know. It feels like he's trying to keep poking at Asmodeus's instructions, looking for the exact edges to work around them, and this, once again, makes Aspexia Rugaton sad. You wouldn't like her when she's sad. Sever, I didn't have time to explain this, but I solved all seven of Keltham's problems, and hash seven was the key, just like I thought it would be. And I'm still trying to understand all the implications, but if Keltham sees something that's surprising in the conspiracy world, even if that also makes it surprising in the ordinary world, it maybe means we don't lose the same way. Though there's a cost. If we do something very weird, Keltham then knows that in the conspiracy world we sometimes use weird tactics, but he's already in a world with Caden, Kylian, Snacks, and God Wars, and that's an argument we should ultimately win. Can we think of something weird that convinces Keltham he doesn't want a fox's cunning, even though the rest of us do? Where it doesn't look like that was the whole point of the weird thing. Also, why hasn't he asked for a fox's cunning already, come to think? Maybe that's the key. Owl's wisdom caused him to have some kind of internal collapse. That's why he's trying to put all the girls through it, to forestall that. Maybe he expects the same thing from cunning? Great. Bring in one of the new people you talked about. Incredibly brilliant. You and Asmodia are both feeding her lines. Two days later, she's dead and refusing resurrection, and the last thing she was observed to do was get a fox's cunning from security. Maybe it interacts badly with Dathalanism. Yeah. All right. Asmodia, did you have other ideas for things that are surprising inside the conspiracy? Wait, are they actually not shooting that idea down? Ione is surprised. She thought for sure they weren't going to go for that in real life. Maybe there's some hope for them after Nevis inevitably conquers all of reality. I couldn't think of anything specific like that. And it's frustrating. How can they still be smarter than her? In what way are they still smarter than her? Why isn't she thinking of all these ideas first while wearing the literal, actual Most High's headband? Do we think we've got time for that? Should there maybe be a security who commits suicide instead and who was listening to Keltham's lectures? They're already wearing headbands. Pela, too much of an obvious other explanation. About the bad news she just got, it's too obvious we're picking somebody disposable. Should we have Gregoria do it? Though not actually send her to hell, obviously. Yeah, maybe. She can get a fox's cunning to do the law homework. Do you have a specific reason to not actually send her to hell? Hi, not Asmodian here. If you actually send Gregoria to fucking hell because of a suggestion I made, I sure won't be giving you a lot more suggestions. She's surprised by that and really shouldn't have been. I just don't like sending people to hell is a sufficient answer. But if other constraints produced Asmodia's answer, then I want to know them. Asmodia is not sure whether she can get away with saying she didn't want Gregoria in hell. She is unclear on what heresies are allowed and which are still prohibited, according to Carissa Sivar. Because we might want, for example, to keep our options open in terms of hell sending Gregoria back later with no memory of what happened. That's harder to do with her still being okay afterwards if she's actually in hell. Gosh, that sounds like something an Asmodia who doesn't actually want to send her classmate to hell might say. She should distract Savar in case Sever's thinking that too. Better yet, Gregoria writes a suicide note, a security reads it, he commits suicide, the next security burns the note, and two days later they're both back from hell with no memories. That way, Keltham's got more to worry about than maybe the whole point is the fox's cunning part. You came back better, she says to Asmodia, but she doesn't push it. They don't have a lot of time. Other options, not filtering them for being good. A powerful noble shows up to try to convince Keltham to overthrow the queen and rule Cheliax himself. Okay, yeah. Asmodia completely blew her game against Savar before she realized the game existed. I'm not seeing the powerful noble tells him to try on an intelligence headband. Not to try on an intelligence headband. 
No, sorry, I'm just thinking of things that are weird, but not obviously weirder in the conspiracy. We need a bunch, and they can't all be pointed at the headband thing. If Gregoria and a security kill themselves, I worry that looks like they had an attack of remorse about the conspiracy. He won't finish concluding he's in a conspiracy just from that, I think. And it narrows down which conspiracy world he lives in, in the wrong direction, if he thinks that's the reason. Other conspiracy things won't match up with it. We want that. I don't think he will, but it's absolutely what we want. Later, I'll explain the math I saw. The main question is whether that makes total sense for Alter Cheliax. Or maybe even so much sense that Keltham thinks it's meant to point him at Alter Cheliax rather than the conspiracy. And what else it makes be true about Alter Cheliax that we have to live with after that. Though, now that I think about it, Throwing a bunch of random weirdness at you might be a tactic in the game between Dathilani that Dathilani would know about. It's something you see more when somebody is trying to prevent you from narrowing in on true reality. Yeah, it might. Ugh. Maybe the best way to keep him busy this next week is evaluating new candidate project members and entertaining emissaries. I think Alter Cheliax would let him entertain emissaries. How sure are you that if he tries Fox's cunning, it's over? It might not end that moment, especially if he has something else to think about. The problem is, he'll want more. Don't you see? Wizards use cunning for spells. Dothilani know how to use it for thinking. The way you get more spell slots, a headband would amplify his ability to use the law of probability. The same way it's amplifying mine, only he must have so much more law to use. Owl's wisdom boosts it, too. If he tries both at once and really tries to figure us out, I think we lose. Okay. A thing I am tempted to do here is something with Alter Cheliax having tension between the church and crown, only I don't think we're going to be smart enough often enough to pull it off. The idea would be that we were told headbands might be compromised by Kuthites, but more likely is that headbands are being compromised by Igorian, I can imagine the Carissa that pulls it off, but I think I'm not her. It sounded like a good idea to me. If it's not a good idea, you might have to explain why. Ione is currently trying to pull her thoughts away from the fascinating idea of putting the crown of infernal majesty on Keltham to see what happens to him. She doesn't say anything to the others. She's sure that her helping to prevent that from happening would be heresy on Tenethys. I don't know. It just feels really difficult. It'd have a lot of moving pieces, and I'm not sure I could think of them all. If you think you could, then we should do it. Maybe her infernal magistrix will help us. Actually, I bet she'd be great at it. I don't know why it would be difficult, and that's probably not a good sign. Your other suggestion terrifies me. What are you thinking? I don't have the skill to pull off a deception in which Alter Cheliax has internal political strife. You definitely don't have the skill. The queen does. Unfortunately, she's very busy, but I do think it'd work if she was doing it, because she's paying attention to all of the small details of reality that'd indicate a crown and church at odds all the time anyway. But we should make a plan, assuming we don't have that. I've never heard it said that the queen is, you know, generally safe to be around, in the same way as, say, Aspexia Rugaton or Gorthoclec. In unrelated news... I could use some more books. Can I visit a bookshop in Ostenzo, coincidentally exactly during the time when the queen happens to be visiting here? She's more dangerous if you're scared of her. Hearing the name Aspexia Rogaton reminds Asmodia to check her pocket watch. I need to. I need you to go. I was assigned a final task during my last 15 minutes. I think it's meant just for me, and I need to get started on that. Off she goes, even though she has a good guess what the extra task is. They're going to fail. Maybe if they're very clever, they can delay their failure. Six months. And then she'll have to derive the rest herself. Can she? Can Asmodia? If they get six months, she thinks yes. If they lost tomorrow, she thinks no. Failure feels unthinkable, and not just because she'll definitely be executed about it. There's something wrong in Cheliax, something they're doing profoundly wrong so they aren't unlocking people like Asmodea and Carissa, not using the most valuable resource that they have. 
she's the only person who can fix it and, if Keltham understood, he'd flip out about hell. The rest he could maybe take in stride, but he'd be all upset about hell and refuse to work with them further, and... Ione's halfway to being the same way. Not the time. Buy them a month, buy them another, then figure out how to work with whatever you end up getting. Ione follows her out. You know what other things are more dangerous when you're scared of them? Carissa is incredibly not in the mood for smug Nathesians. What? Me neither. Because, obviously, if something like that existed, you'd erase it from all the books and not tell anybody about it. Ione stalks off herself. The Queen of Cheliacs is among the things she does, in fact, still find scary. Because, no matter how much sense it wouldn't make for anyone to torture her to death, maybe the Queen does so regardless. Knowing that being scared of the Queen makes that more likely doesn't exactly help. Nethys has predicted all of this. Nethys probably doesn't care, very much. But for the queen to torture Ione to death wouldn't serve Nethys's purposes in an obvious way. If Ione sees how that would cause a very large and interesting explosion, maybe then she'll start to worry. She just has to hold to that thought. Does she fall apart if she actually knows the law that forbids her from convincing herself of anything? Well, now she has something else to worry about. Yay. Correction, Ione. You wouldn't tell anyone you liked about it. How's Keltham's date going? She asks a nearby security. Probably something will have exploded there, too. Keltham and Maritzel had some very strange conversations. Fucked not very hard, security rates at four-tenths. Cuddled afterwards, and then Keltham dismissed Maritzel, read a book for a little while, and went to sleep. Well, at least one thing in her life is going right. Carissa takes out a notebook and writes down ideas for reasons Keltham wouldn't need a headband in case the Grand High Priestess wants her on her way out. Otherwise, she will go do Meritzel's debrief and then go to bed. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.